Welcome to On The Move from the Texas A&M Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management. In this episode, Dr. Greg Bennett and one of his former students discuss the advantages of our sport management program. Welcome to another episode of On The Move. I'm Chelsea Reber, and today I'm joined by Dr. Greg Bennett and Ben Wiggins. Thank you both for being with us today. Um, Dr. Bennett, I'd like to start with you. Give me a little background information on yourself, and how did you get to Texas A&M? Well, the background information, I was born and raised, I was born in Michigan, but raised in Tennessee, and I have a coaching background, so I started after college coaching. I was a college athlete, and so I went into the world of coaching after after uh, college. Did that for a few years, and then I went into college coaching. Did that for less, about a decade or maybe less than that, and did that for a while, and I actually... Um, decided I was going to get my PhD while I was coaching in college and, and actually in the SEC. And what was interesting... sounds like a really easy thing to do and not <laughs> life, life-crushingly challenging. Well, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I like to tell people, Ben, that I'm actually a better coach than teacher, but don't tell people that. But anyway, so... I won't say anything. Yeah, I, I did it and talked to my boss at Auburn that I said, I want to you know, do this PhD. So that's great. And I, I basically wanted to do that to fall back on. Mm. And what's interesting is I've now fallen back on that for 30 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got a, I had a couple of coaching opportunities that had coaching opportunities that I didn't take because of various factors or some funny stories to that. Uh, but I went down the route of the first year I was, I did both. I coached and uh, taught at Southern Miss after I left Auburn and we had Matthew that year, so 25 years ago. And I did that for one year, and it was really difficult. So I just decided on the better route for the family situation and stayed in the professorship. And then from there, I had an opportunity to go to Florida to be a professor at UF, and then I came here after that. And you've so, stayed here ever since? Ever since. What yeah. makes A&M so special? Why stay here when you did have different stops along the way? Uh, A&M is really special. Um, for lots of reasons, and I think it's special. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's special because it, for me personally, because it, there's really not another university in the country that fits me personally. For from a value standpoint, I think the the things that surround the twelfth man, for instance, those things are real. The character traits, the values, uh, the things that matter to the twelfth man really matter to me as well. And I just, the, the community is fabulous. Now, I will say we've been s- several places. We're, we seem like we're, I mean, I have a Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, you know, and now A&M. We have an SEC background in our family, four kids in four different states. But, you know, College Station, Bryan College Station is about as good as it gets, especially to raise a family. And you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And Ben knows that. I do. Yeah. I yeah. So, Ben, you were a student in this department that has now changed names since you were a student. <laughs> yes. But kinesiology right. and sport management. Uh, um, close to my heart. Yeah. I was going to say, just kind of what, what's that story like for you? <clears throat> well, so it's it, that's not the, that's far from the beginning of my Aggie story, so to speak. I you know was born and raised here. My dad taught here for 42 years. Steve Wiggins just retired last summer 2021. Um, 
And I shouts to uh, Ruben Hidalgo, who's affiliated with SEHD as well. And we went to high school together a number of years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and then to Dr. Marlene Dixon, whose class I took at Rice. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, but then came back after finishing my undergrad at Rice, came back to Texas A&M, did a master's while working with Coach Fran. Uh, as a as a graduate assistant with the football team, did a master's in kinesiology and sport management while I was here. So, for to anyone who was watching the football team during that time, <laughs> I apologize. Um, and then uh, it's been a little bit of a circuitous road from there. Uh, I like much like Dr. Bennett. In fact, I decided that the that the coaching road, as much as I loved the work, the life was not really, it didn't really fit well into the rest of a life that I would Mm -hmm. want. And so made a choice to make a career change out of college coaching specifically, and went into the entertainment business for a while, the film and television business. I was an independent uh, film producer and eventually a television writer for eight years on the West Coast and lived briefly in Toronto, Atlanta, and New York uh, while I was out there. And then got an offer here and uh, came back and began working for a financial, a financial fund here in town. And one of the conditions of the job was I had to do an MBA. And Mm -hmm. so I applied to a bunch of different places. And so this is really fascinating. As I was applying for business school, for Mm -hmm. graduate school, I noticed that the personalities of the universities came out in the application, uh, which, you know, I mean, maybe that's not terribly surprising, but it's not something I would have predicted. Sure. And I realized that, so I applied to four schools, and I won't say which ones they were, um, but for the most part, I had good experiences on the applications, but it was very clear to me that not only was this a good fit location-wise, because this is where the job was, um, but it was a good fit for, for, for values reasons, all the stuff you alluded to a moment ago. And I was worried about culture shock to some degree coming back from L.A. And instead, it (laughs) felt like walking back in my own front door in the best possible way. So um, and then uh, during that time, saw an opportunity for some uh, for some new media that may that that would that I felt would help different institutions around the university leverage their storytelling footprint and their digital footprint and. Here we are. Here we are. What we're doing now. Dr. Bennett, I want to talk to you a little bit about your student experience, Ben being one of them. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, the students. Much to his dismay. The, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some stories there. Feel free to share whatever you guys want to. But uh, what is that student experience like here? Um, you know, as a student who went to A&M, I know how special mm. it can be. How is it? How important is it for you to work with the students? Well, it's very important to me, and I think that um, I learned years ago that uh, the students, you know, they pay your salary, really, but but more so, they it's 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 my responsibility to make sure that their experience is really good. And you alluded that Ben was in my class. Ben was a fabulous student, and a lot of our students are just like that. I mean, I, I would suggest almost all of them are just incredible. Um, and, you know, since I've been all over the place, I can tell you that, you know, students are, are really good at, at every place, but there's a real difference here in our types of students and the way they are. They're very service-oriented. 
Uh, they're very mindful of, of work and what, and what a typical work ethic that's desired in our industry and the sports industries is like and needed. And, and they're just, they have great personalities. They're really good to be around, morally strong. I mean, there's so many things about our students that is just really powerful and important. And, and I can't say enough about that, you know, because a lot of times people have assumptions when they understand you're a professor, right? They, they think, well, that person's a scholar and they do this, that, and the other, which we do here and we do it very well. But I think we also are really, really good in the classroom and we're exceptionally good working with our students and placing them and helping them to get jobs and things such as that. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're not just important. They're what it's all about. Ben, so. you talked about your circuitous road, but how important were those professors that kind of laid the foundation of that journey that you would eventually take? Priceless. Priceless. Because even though you didn't necessarily stay in sport management, you're, you're still using some of those lessons, I guess, that you learned. Yes, and I feel like one of the most important things that came out of my graduate education in kinesiology and sport management, I mean, you know, what it's about is, is, is movement and activity. Like if you break it, like there's some really fundamental things that we're looking at here that apply across all sorts of disciplines. And also the... the you know, as, as Dr. Bennett is discussing here, a lot of the, a lot of our discourse, even in class was about how do you make life decisions? You know, management, like sport management is, is, is people. It's about people and it's about, and it's about quality research and it's about teaching. It's about a million other things, but the, so along that circuitous road, I'll tell a little story on, on you. Actually, the first two screenplays that I sold in Los Angeles were because of this guy. He may, oh, not, yeah? even, he may not even know this, but um, he introduced me to another student who was, I think, finishing up with the program at the time we met. This was in 2010, so okay. about two and a half, three years after I had taken his class. And a uh, student, uh, Ben DeBale uh, is his name, mm -hmm. and Dr. Bennett asked me if I would have a conversation about the entertainment business with this guy, Ben, former Yale leader. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh -huh. So well, well known in this community. Sure. And Ben was considering a move into the entertainment business, ended up deciding not to do that. But along the way, he introduced me to his family and Enrique. So I'm <laughs> dropping a lot of n names here, but his dad ended up connecting me with the group that I sold my first two screenplays to. Wow. And so it's kind of power of the Aggie Network. Aggie Network. I was going to say, it, yep, there's that phrase. Very much so. Uh -huh. But it's also power of people. Like yeah. when Dr. Bennett called me and said, hey, this dude is a quality guy. I'd love it if you would have a conversation with him. Sure. I take that very seriously because I know if he says it, it's true. Um, and just from having gone through his class and hearing what's important to him, if he vouches for somebody's character, that person is solid in the story. And so just like the and that's what like all of the values that we talk about here are important for many reasons, but one of those one of those reasons is because life is simpler and you can you can act you can act quickly on things when you know that everybody in the room is playing by the same rules. And when you know, like I know Greg, I see Greg Bennett's name on, name on my phone. I know this guy acts in good faith all the time. So I want to listen to what he has to say. And if I can move on it quickly, I can probably do some good in the world. Yeah. 
Does that answer your question? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I do want to get a little into the weeds now. I want to talk about sport management. Um, I want to talk about what is going on in your world, whether it be research or in the classroom or all of the above. Oh, wow. That's wide open, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, okay. So let's, let's just boil that down to this semester. So this semester, I'm teaching a, a 400-level course that's in our new curriculum, which we spent about a year and a half, two years to redesign our curriculum. We based that on what the industry said we needed to do, plus our former students who were working. We did a lot of research on the background and figured it out and came up with really a, a two streams that we would make sure we did well here at AM. And so I'm teaching one of those undergrad classes this semester in Applied Marketing Strategies. And so what I like to do, I think it's most important, is that I have actually a project for them that they're going to complete during the semester in groups of three. And that project basically is to take a marketing problem for a local company or some companies in Houston uh, that are sport-based and sport-related. And they're going to do this project, and, and we're going to bring the folks in. They're going to interact with them throughout the semester from, from basically my introduction and helping them. Uh, to do that project with them, and they'll do that throughout the semester, and then at the end, they present a product to them that says, here's what you're doing right now. Marketing-wise, you think about doing this, or think about a strategy that may do this. And so the reason I use that one as an example is because the, the one thing that's really important here is that at the end of the day, our students are well-educated, but I believe they get a good job as well out of this. And one of the things that helps that is if they've interacted with or know people in the industry already and i've done that before as a project-based class it's very very well uh, received by the students but certainly by the industry and we need to do more of that we need to have the students actively engage with people that they may work for one day or people in the industry so they understand that and so that's one thing we're doing now you know i, I could go on and on that was so wide based <laughs> I, I mean of course the scholarship is always ongoing mm -hmm. i do a lot of the stuff i do scholarship wise is is really similar in that it's when i write something or i do i put together some type of study even if it's you know an experimental design the idea at the end of the day is whatever i do research wise is applicable and so if I'm a person that runs the Houston Astros, for instance, they ought to be able to pick up what I've done study-wise, read it and go, oh, that applies to me in this manner. I could use this in my marketing, whatever it might be. And so that it's helpful to the industry. Some, you know, my mentor in this field actually calls that being a pracademic, which is an interesting play mm -hmm. on somebody that does research that's practical or applied. Um, but at the same time, the the rigor of the research I've been involved with for the last, I guess, 25 years or so is, is really good as well. So, so I, I just kept thinking when I was going through, you know, my PhD and when I first started as a scholar, I kept thinking this, you know, I can write these types of papers, do these types of studies, but if it doesn't fit for industry, it's kind of problematic. Mm -hmm. And especially with our industry, you know, because what we do, as you know, Ben, what we do is business related, right? It's, mm -hmm. it has to be, in, in my opinion, then it has to be something that's practical to business that they can take and look and go, oh, I get that. And that makes sense. And it, and the biggest thing for me is there's utility or usefulness to that. I did an interview with athletic director, Ross Bjork, last semester and I've talked to some of the new coaches on campus, Joni Taylor with women's basketball. Um, 
And everybody is bringing up NIL because mm-hmm. that is such a, a hot topic. It's a very controversial topic. Um, and it is what is just kind of taken over college athletics. Mm-hmm. Is that something that y'all are looking at right now? Uh, well, you have to, if you, that's another thing is that it's critically important as far as I'm concerned uh, as a faculty member to know what's going on currently in the industry. And that is, it's the wild west, frankly, right now. And the, it's not slowing down how quick all of that is going. And, and what's interesting, you know, from my opinion is, is that sh- this should have happened a lot longer time period ago than what we're dealing with now. And it makes honest, honestly, if you take our, our world and you look at a Johnny Manziel and you just use logic, well, Johnny was worth a lot of money to this university and, and you could make an argument still is. Right. Um, but yet he wasn't able to capitalize at least what we know. Wasn't able to capitalize on that while he was Legally. here. Yeah. Well, now it's not just legal; it's being used in lots of different ways. Yeah. And yeah, so we're we're abreast of that. We look at it in lots of different ways. I already have one piece that's out on it, uh, but it, you know, it's hard to argue that that's not a, you know, a viable, important, and appropriate thing for student athletes to have. Um, we could talk forever about, you know, there's implications on lots of different ways. Like I, I would suggest, you know, there's issues with gender in it. There's issues with sport diversity in it because, you know, how many track athletes have good NIL deals as opposed to a college football or basketball player. There's lots of things that could be discussed there, but yes, we're abreast of it. We're, we're involved with it on campus and in our, in our department, especially the marketers in our group. And it's something that's really at the forefront now. And it should be. Is that a situation where the athletic department would work with you guys at all? Yeah. Well, they could, but there's some NCAA rules on some things okay. that would prevent things. And, you know, and we have done some things with them that are more in the, in line with educational things. And I guess that's yeah. what I was getting at, because yeah. I know that a, a big part of they're just trying to help mm-hmm. the student athletes do what's mm-hmm. best for them. Right. Um, and obviously you guys have uh, the brains behind mm-hmm. a lot of what's going on. And so I wasn't sure if that was something you guys could collaborate on. Yes. And it makes logical sense. And we could actually do, uh, you know, there's collectives and different groups that's doing this. Texags has a presence with this, mm-hmm. with, with the, some of the media things they do with NIL. Uh, there's, yeah, we've, we've talked to all those people and, and we could help that for sure. We could, certainly help. I mean, it only makes logical sense that if you uh, had a, uh, in fact, the quarterback at A&M is one of our players with the baseball academy that, that I uh, have and manage and so forth. He's one of our former players. So we could have helped. Like if you want, if you wanted to know about his personality or how to, you know, maybe brand him mm. or put him together with different brands that could utilize his personality and things like that. Obviously, we would know that from my perspective already, from the 12s perspective. But more so, you you start talking to professors about what's logical or best, or how to, because the research tells us this, how to best utilize you know, Connor in this case, or mm-hmm. whoever the athlete might be, uh, certainly we're capable of doing that and would love to do it. I, I know our marketing faculty would love to do that. So. You touched on media a little bit, and Ben, I'd love for you to weigh in if you want to. Um, how have platforms like TikTok and Instagram and, and things like that kind of changed the world of sport management? I know that's kind of a broad question. Well, th- so our answer to that is that is that's the future. 
Um, it's that's the frontier, and maybe the next thing, you know, it, it will be the metaverse. Maybe it'll be something more like that. But until we know, kind of, in a more solid sense, what the next thing will be, video content, you know, for to just to kind of bring it all together, video content is is king. Short um, video content. Yes. Yeah. The from there. The, the Gary V model or the Joe Rogan model or whatever you, you know, whoever you want to make it about the, the, the best way to do it right now is a piece that is longer form that'll give you a hundred pieces of short, of short video. Um, kind of like this deal right here. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And there's a lot are. of yeah. short yeah. stuff and coming out of this because the long is potentially, not as good. Potentially, potentially. <laughs> uh, <the laughs> All so, the viral clips right, right. out of this one. Just right. a little bit. <laughs> we're, trying to get, we're trying to get some screen grabs of you making the Stephen A. Smith faces. <laughs> well, like, that should be easy. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so pillar content that generates a bunch of other different stuff. And that is, and lights up all your digital platforms like a Christmas tree. And that, that digital storytelling is, is the reason that a company like podcast architects exists. And, you know, without getting too deep into the weeds of, uh, of the company, it's, it's really what I think the reason that something like this is compelling for the department of kinesiology and sport management is it's, uh, like, what is the best way to communicate a message? Tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the stories are, the stories and the people are why this place matters to me and to mm-hmm. m- millions of others. Um, so um, I don't know if I'm answering the question. <laughs> I'd like to add a little something. Absolutely. The, the tic- so TikTok, for instance, drives me nuts uh-huh. because, you know, as a person my age, I'll just say that, uh, I don't get it and I tease my children all the time, as well as my students, like what, what in the world are we doing here? But as a marketer and a professor, it's, it is incredible. The platform's incredible. The ability of teams to actually, or athletes to actually use that in branding purposes is phenomenal. Of course it, and, and Ben's right. It moves from one thing to the next. You go from Twitter to Insta, excuse me, Instagram, IG, whatever, (laughs) Insta anyway, or do it for the gram. Yeah. The the gram, gram. Mm -hmm. which I don't remember the Vince Vaughn movie, but it was fabulous. (laughs) But anyway, so I, I, uh, and then you go, which, and then you can start talking about ephemeral uh, social media like Snap, and mm-hmm. you know. And so, what's funny about all of those platforms is eventually the sports teams go, well, that's where our coveted, you know, market is or our segments. So how are we going to mm-hmm. get to them? Well, if you want somebody that's one of my current students, TikTok is a great avenue. So got to figure out how to use it. Yeah. The first team that comes to mind is the Savannah Bananas. Mm-hmm. Who's doing the best job? And maybe that is the answer. I have no idea. But from your your perspective, who is doing the best job at it all right now? Oh gosh, that's uh, I'm going to answer that and say that this that the Bananas are incredible and of course that's my sport, my, the sure. sport I have a background in. They're they're terrific and the stuff that they do is terrific. And but obviously a major league team can't do some of the things that well, they do. Well, yeah, and I I mean you can only get away with that in whatever league <laughs> so, that, that that you know that summer league mm-hmm. baseball situation is. Well, you can get along you can get basically what they are is the old Barnum and Bailey Circus. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Cuz from a pure baseball standpoint, I watch that and I'm like, "Man, this is driving me nuts." Right, Cuz it's right. not there's anyway, but from an entertainment standpoint, 
It's every, brilliant. I mean, it's crazy, and yeah. they make so much money, and the, and people are so happy. So that all the objectives you want is met there, mm-hmm. except for the baseball people who look at that and go, "You're <laughs> making a mockery of you know our sport." <laughs> yes, but I will say that and say that, and I, I don't know how to really say this, and that fact that I'm on camera, I'm a little scared, but. <laughs> But out of all the pro leagues, the one that is most often to me disappointing is Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to continue your sport being a pastime um, or close to a pastime, you have to market and you have to get the youth market. So baseball has notoriously been slow to innovation when it comes to marketing. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. And I could tell you a bunch of stories, but one of my favorite, I would say the people that do it best are the people like Mike Vec, okay, who has had jobs in Major League Baseball, but it always gets fired mm. because he's too Savannah Banana, and that won't work, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And But he does a great job marketing. I'd say all of the teams do, in every sport, does a really good job of marketing. Uh, but those, that's one that comes to mind off the top, so... The, the disadvantage for baseball, and I don't want to derail us here, but in, in 30 seconds, what, what makes the three true outcomes thing, I think, has been really bad for the viewer experience. And what, economi- what, what optimizes for performance in baseball has unfortunately not optimized for the viewer experience. Whereas in football and basketball, just to use two other major sports examples, the opposite has been true. In football, we're passing more, we're throwing the ball more. That's better for the viewer experience. And as it turns out, that also makes teams better when they when they pass more. The pa- passing is better than running. We know that now. Whereas in the '80s, it was all you got to run to win. You know, you got to run to win. Defense wins championships. All it turns out, none of that's true. Um, the opposite of those things are true. In basketball, same thing. Three point shots, you get to splash like that's good for the viewer experience and it's good for the teams trying to win the game so baseball kind of got unlucky in that respect um but so yeah it's not a tv it's not a tv friendly sport and you have to be you have it's to a time enjoy commitment it. too if mm-hmm. you're going to go and there's to no game. clock which we right. you know i would argue is actually a positive but then sure. you know even soccer, which I can't believe I'm saying this, but even soccer, if you look at soccer today, because the movement is mm-hmm. constant and there's a lot of athleticism in it, it has an advantage yeah. over baseball, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Yep. A little more glam, believe mm-hmm. it or not, like at the at the highest level, mm-hmm. um, especially just coming off the World Cup. I don't know. That's just something that I kind of noticed. I want to get back a little bit okay. into the academics of everything. Tell me a little bit more about the Sport Marketing Association. Oh, gosh. How long is this podcast? We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was sitting in my office in 2000, and 2000, 2001 at the University of Florida, and I kept doing a bunch. I, I was establishing my career uh, at that point, and I kept looking around, and there was no professional organization for sport marketers. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing because we have this organization we can go to. But if you're a marketer, you're kind of segmented into special interest groups and things like that. So I just took it upon myself to invent something from nothing, really. And so I founded that. And we had, I think we held the first conference at the University of Florida in 2002. And, and now it's the preeminent, you know, I would, I would argue it's preeminent organization worldwide. Uh, for sport marketing academics and it's been done very well and I can't tell you how much investment I had it was ridiculous which I was much younger I only had 
well, two kids at that point, so I could go to the office and work later and longer. And I can't tell you how many years I invested because I was on every committee, made sure every committee, I can't, it would take forever. But I'm very, very proud of what that is, what that's become. And I'm actually really proud of my effort in that initially to, to get that established. And so, you know, it is what it is, but it's a, it's a huge thing. So. And then finally, I think we've touched on so many different things that it kind of makes sport management feel like, wait, what, what is this exactly? <laughs> so if I'm a prospective student or maybe even a current student thinking it may be something I kind of want to get into, but I'm just not really sure, I guess, what's your, what's your elevator pitch to somebody who might be <laughs> interested in joining the program? Well, I would say, first of all, that it's extremely popular all over the country, so which denotes that there's something good about it, that if people want to consume this so much, that it is really a popular thing with people. So you got to ask yourself, then why? Well, obviously, I would argue that, you know, a lot of people's religion in our country, it may be the biggest religion in our country is sports. So by that, I mean, as a consumer, you're a fan of the Aggies, for instance, and, and that's how you identify yourself. And so your whole identity you know, you get upset when the Aggies play well or play bad. You're very happy when they play well, which this past fall was a little bit. <laughs> anyway, so what what I'm saying is, is that it's not just like what we, but what we do is a business. So we're a business. We're the business of sports. So when you get a degree in our field, you're going to work in sports, but you're going to work on the business side of sports, which means you're a part of that team that is producing whatever it is that you're producing, whatever sport it is or whatever. And that's an incredible thing. And people love that. They want to be a part of sports. The reason being is because everybody has a sports team. Everybody has a sport like volleyball is fabulous. You're a great volleyball player. You know about volleyball. It affects your daily life. And that's very different as I tell my students, one of which is watching me right now, that if you get up in the morning, you don't paint your face before you do your clothes washing with Tide detergent. Like you don't paint your face Tide colors and, and you don't get upset if the, if the washing machine doesn't use Tide properly and you don't win, you know, uh, and so forth. So what we have an advantage of is that people want to be in sports. They love sports. It's part of who they are as opposed to just a normal goods and or service business that is Tide detergent, nothing against you, Tide. We should get you as a sponsor for this. Uh, but whoever the brand is, you sure. can see we have that advantage. The only thing that comes close um, in all reality in my, that, that I can think of off the top of my head is entertainment. Mm -hmm. So maybe music, movies, things like that, but even those don't. And if you look at the how much money sports bring in, it's ridiculous. I mean, it is really, really ridiculous to look at money, at how the money is involved. For instance, we did a remodeling of our football stadium. It's almost $500 million. I mean, Chelsea, you and I have good houses, but, yeah. <laughs> but we're not spending $500 million, right. you know, and it's for one, that's for one program. Because mm -hmm. last I checked, we don't play soccer or volleyball. There. No, no. Yeah. Mm -mm. So we do midnight yell. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the point being is that it's it – Which is, is still football related. <laughs> it is. It's 100%. <laughs> but my point is it's a business of sports. Everybody loves sports and wants to be a part of sports, mm -hmm. and they identify their whole life. Uh, if you ask somebody who they are, invariably they're going to say, I'm an Aggie fan at some point. A lot of people, it's going to be one of the first things. 
that they say. Sure. So why not study that? Why not work in that where you can make people happy or sometimes sad uh, and so forth? You brought up the student who's watching us. And when I first met her, she talked about how close knit as a grad student, how close knit that her classmates are. Um, what do you think sets apart the kinesiology and sport management group here at Texas A&M? Uh, and you can talk specifically to sport management. Mm -hmm. um, how is it different than maybe some other places on campus? Well, I'm going to say what I think she would tell you. Um, and first of all, they are very close. They're hilarious, uh, to be really candid, and kind of crazy. Um, but they are very close, but I would say, I would suggest she would say that they are close with me. And I mean, very close is what she would say. She, I would argue that she would say, this is like my uncle, dad, or whatever mm -hmm. at, in college station. And I think that's highly unusual. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we're, you know, there's a, obviously a line of relationship and so forth, but we are. I mean, we're kindred spirits. We're trying to help them. They love it. They love what we teach. They're, they're all in. We're all in with them. But there's a relationship there that's, that's actually deep. It's really important. And it's not just me, although I think I'm the favorite. Um, <laughs> so I, but We'll ask everybody else we have on the <laughs> yeah, podcast. They'll all say the Take same a poll. thing. <laughs> but I, some ways, some things that happen, like they come to my house mm -hmm. and Sherry and I cook for them, you know, and we... Christmas, in fact, they came and we did uh, whatever white elephant that you want to call it. It was <laughs> that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I won't say what most of their gifts were, but yeah, but we did white <laughs> elephant and and they had a blast. It was I hated to see them leave that day. That's mm -hmm. how, and and I think that's unusual. Sure, because A and M is a large university. It's huge. Yeah, um, and we have a large program. We have seven hundred and something undergrads, right? Mm -hmm. Well. I think our students would tell you that, that the professors are cool, they would probably say. I don't, whatever, lit, what's y'all's words today? <laughs> uh, but they would also say that, that we're real with them and it's a family type of situation. Now, I'm not ever going to be on the same level with them, right, because I have to be the, the prof. But anyway, we're, that's what it is. It's a yeah. family deal. It's unusual. Yeah. So. Dr. Bennett, you were the director for the Center for Sport Management Research and Education. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me a little bit more about that center and its mission. Okay, so years ago, uh, George Cunningham, Mike Segas, and myself actually put that together, more so Mike than anybody. We drafted a copy to, and we sent it through to get it approved through the university. And the purpose at the time, as the title says, was for some research products to come out of uh, our department, which was not nearly as big then as it is now. And so we wanted to go out in the industry and get contracts and different research grants and things like that to perform for businesses and do it through the university. And so we had to do that through a center. It's much, it's much better to do it through a center where there's an, it's basically, it acts as an academic think tank, if you will, where we conducted a lot of good research and we did some of that. In fact, one of the first ones we did was for Mattress Mac and it was at the West Side Tennis. Uh, that, that was fabulous. He's, he's quite the character. It was a lot of fun with that, with that situation. But anyway, we did that around the, one of the very first products that we did. And then of course the education part also is part of the mission where we um, would solicit and sometimes 
even ourselves write books or do different kind of inter- like what we're doing here. This podcast would be a great product for the mm-hmm. center because we would put that out through the center as a center product so that we could disseminate whatever it might be, you know, uh, whether it's a research study that we did and we would promote that. And now it's, you know, uh, same thing. And we had a great advisory board when I was doing it. I mean, there's a lot of local legends on that advisory board. Hunter Goodwin's one of them. And I don't think you know him, do you? Um, but anyway, there's... Uh, if you, you know. don't know the name, just go find a green sign around <laughs> yeah, town. Yeah, well, his right. is... I want Hunter to know his is on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Old one. Old uh, Casey, Casey's, Casey's on first top. one, and then, and then Hunter's I'm sure one. it was alphabetical, right? Yeah. Casey and Hunter. No, there you go. Yeah, there sure. you go. So, but anyway, we had, you know, a lot of really... Ken Reeves. We had a terrific... A lot of former Aggies who have done it extremely well, either as pro athletes or athletes or, or business people. And so they were on our board. It was it was fabulous. So we had a real good run there, about 10 years, where the center was putting out a lot of good research products and a lot of industry grants and contracts and also producing, you know, books and other things. We, there was a stage there where we did a lot of – we would interview the head football coach for the Green Bay Packers, and we would utilize that through the center as an output product, which was really cool. So that's what the center is, and it does a really good job. And, and our current director is really, really good, um, and he's going to continue to grow that and make it better. We, what, what I always thought when you read the name, I always thought the name's too long. Yeah. And that is a tremendous – the center is a tremendous naming opportunity. And if, it, if I had my way, I would name it, let's just say Bennett gave the money. It would be the <laughs> Bennett Center for Sport Business, mm. which makes it shorter, smaller, sure. and people understand really what's going on. Because the research and education is not just implied, it's what we do. Yeah, We're going to put out research product and educational products. Well, it's not the only center around campus that could probably use a little <laughs> right. Up, so <laughs> Right, that's right. You said something earlier, and it just made me think of this. Um does the success of the Texas A&M athletic programs hmm. department have anything to do with the interest in sport management at Texas A&M? No. Have you ever seen a correlation? No. Okay. And I, you know, I think there's a huge correlation between, or not huge, but I think there's a definite correlation between the success of our athletic teams, in particular uh, football and basketball, and I would argue baseball, mm-hmm. obviously, for obvious reasons. But, but I think those the success of those programs affects other things across campus, maybe even giving, Absolutely, uh, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, like I said earlier, or at some point here, is that our major is so popular and our students love our major so much that it's not affected by that at all. At, at all, at least I've never, I've never heard a student say, I want to go there because of your football program. They want to come and do it because we provide such a good service. We do such a good job. And it, and the content of our classes, it's, I always thought that it's really difficult for me to mess up a sport marketing class because it's so cool or a media class. Think about somebody mm-hmm. who's like, yeah. how, how could you beat sitting down and listening to somebody talk about how to do what Chelsea does when she announces a game. That's fabulous. I don't care what world you're in, what situation you're in. If I had that as a student, I would have loved that. I never had that. I had to do what everybody else had to do because sport management is so new. 
But think about how cool that is. Yeah, I think more importantly, you talked about even just the project that your students are doing this semester, Mm -hmm. the hands-on experience to be able to sit in front of a microphone or to Mm -hmm. sit in front of a camera and actually practice the skill, to be able to actually create Mm -hmm. a a marketing campaign or a product for a real company Mm -hmm. that exists in this world. To me, that's an experience that you can't get at just any department, um, and that is just truly invaluable. So I yes. think that's awesome that you guys yes. are doing that. Yes, and I would say to that, I was a, I had history, a lot of history classes as an undergrad, and I love history, and I loved my classes. But that doesn't the content that you deliver in that kind of class, any kind of class, yeah. in my opinion, other than this, or maybe calm, or maybe media, or maybe an entertainment really. I mean, our students are fascinated when they're sitting there because this is stuff that they they don't just get it from our class but it's circumvent or it's 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 added on when you watch sports center i mean right it's crazy to watch sports center and you hear your my students go to games and they'll tell me you ruin stuff for me because oh, yeah. now i'm watching all these advertisements and yep. stuff instead of watching the game as much but what i'm saying is it's just such a part of our fabric as americans that um it's hard to mess up delivering good content because the content's great yeah many times the the stories kind of write themselves Mm -hmm. like it's it's the you know all of our all of our flaws and failings and all of our you know all of our brightest moments Mm -hmm. all of our most courageous moments you know all of that writ large that's what sports is right um and and what you believe about lebron james or kyrie irving or uh johnny manziel or Connor Wigman, like what you, what you believe about those things and what you say to strangers on, you know, Reddit or whatever it may be, (laughs) the, the way that you defend or not defend or don't defend a particular person says something about you as well. And so we kind of, we kind of cast ourselves in these roles to some degree. Sports helps us do all of that. Mm -hmm. And sport management, kinesiology, the way that that construct all kind of takes shape, like that's that this is what's more exciting than this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm a sports fan. Of course. <laughs> no question. And you were a great are. athlete. Ah, oh, thank Did you. Did they all know thank that? You. you should tell them at some point how good you were. Maybe. Or how good a coach you were. I was going to say, I mean, you knew me in my coaching days, not necessarily And you were really days, good. In fact, you may have influenced my daughter to continue playing and play in college. I was going to say, I had the uh, the honor of <laughs> coaching one of the Bennett girls and actually calling games for the other one because, mm-hmm. well, both of them, I guess, right. were in high school at that point. Oh, yeah. And I was broadcasting mm-hmm. for good old College Station High School. So good times, good times. Well, guys, it's been an awesome, awesome time. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Anything else that you guys want to add before uh, we wrap things up? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure to be here with both of you. Obviously, uh, you know, have a lot of love for this place and Mm. this place specifically. And and thanks to to Dr. Marlene Dixon for helping us put this whole thing together. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to On The Move. You can catch our episodes while you're on the move by going to Spotify, Apple, or Google. And to learn more about the Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management, head to knsm.tamu.edu. The Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management is part of the School of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M University, where we transform lives.